Hello and welcome. I'm Dan Mullins and this is My Camino, the podcast, a weekly discussion about the Camino de Santiago, the way of St. James. The pilgrimages across Europe to visit the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James in Santiago de Compostela. I've just actually just now arrived home after going for a long walk and I'm returning to the Camino in late August. I'll walk from Lourdes up to St. Jean-Pied-de-Port and then across to Santiago. I actually couldn't find a great deal of information on the journey from Lourdes to St. Jean, but then stumbled on a guidebook written by Stacey Wittig, an award-winning travel writer from the United States. And Stacey's walked over 2,900 kilometres on Camino pilgrimages across Spain and France. And Stacey wrote the guide that I found, Spiritual and Walking Guides, Lourdes to St. Jean-Pied-de-Port. One reviewer wrote... I was moved to go further, set fears aside, reach higher, whether we plan a pilgrimage on our own two feet or take those steps within our hearts, we will find guidance here. I agree wholeheartedly. And Stacey Whittick is on the line from her home in Arizona in the United States. Stacey, welcome. Why, thank you. I'm glad to be here, Dan. We'll talk about your guidebook and the route from Lewis to St. Jean-Pied-de-Port in a moment. But first, do you remember when you first heard about the Camino de Santiago? Yes, I do. It was uh, in 1995, which was a long time ago. I was visiting a girlfriend in Granada, Spain. It was the first time I was in Spain. And all her friends were going to the Camino de Santiago for Semana Santa or Holy Week. And I thought, well, what the heck is this Camino de Santiago? And, of course, they explained a little bit of it to me as they were packing their backpacks. And I thought, wow, I'd really like to do that. But, you know, back in 1995, we really didn't have much of an Internet. There wasn't much of a way for me to find out about it. And, and did you end up going on, on that journey with them? or And were you a travel writer at the time? No, I was actually... Um, working for the telephone company, making quite a lot of money and being very frustrated in my workaday life. But um, my girlfriend and I had decided to go to Portugal for Semana Santa, so we booked off to the west while her friends went up to the north. So how long was it then between that discovery and when you first stepped foot onto the Camino? Well, actually, it was um, in 2005 when I first stepped foot on Camino. So um, years later, but it was a time when I actually could find more information on the internet. And by that time, of course, there were more guides published as well. So I felt like I, you know, got myself prepared reading and finding out about it and um, was all ready to go. So in a total of 2,900 kilometers of walking on pilgrimages, how many Compostelas do you have? You know, I think I have four. Okay. So I've I've walked six different Caminos, and four of those I've actually walked into Santiago. Right. Okay. So four times. Oh, I see. So you've done bits and pieces, or 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 different routes that don't necessarily end in Santiago. Correct. Yes. You're someone. I think it's fair to say, having read one of your guidebooks who has a very deep Christian faith. 
Indeed, it says in your book, years of backpacking coupled with her love of the Lord makes a winning combination for those looking for a lightweight, all-in-one devotional and walking guide. Have you always had a depth of faith, Stacey? You know, I think uh, most of my life I have. I I came to a deeper faith um, after I graduated from college, and I've had a journey um, with different denominations and different faith paths. But um, now I really self-identify as a contemplative and also as a pilgrim. Uh, the Camino is a really big part of my life, and the spiritual aspect of that is a big part of my life. Did you say a contemplative? Compl- what was it? A contemplative. Contemplative. So someone that contemplates the Lord, contemplates the Word, um, you know, practices, uh, say, centering prayer, practice, practices um, prayer that really works on Camino as you're walking along to, you know, spend time in prayer as you're walking. Or the other great thing about Camino is you can come together with others at a Mass and, and pray with others as well. Yeah, well, I, I want to get to that. I, I want to get, I want to get, and I'll return to that. That's very interesting thing you've just said there. You say you use the Apostles' Creed as a roadmap for your walk with Christ, and that's not only a very interesting visual image, it's also a very powerful metaphorical message too. Our faith is our guide, Stacey. Mm. Yes, I believe that to be true. And I also believe that, you know, the Camino is um, a really great image for not only walking along a route in Spain, but also walking along your path in life. Does that faith always lead you and that roadmap always lead you in the right direction, do you think? Oh, I don't think it always does. I think, you know, we're human and we get off on the wrong path or we think we know the path where the Lord wants to take us and all of a sudden we're, you know, not where maybe we should be. But I think in general, um, it's a good metaphor of our Christian walk and our Christian life you know, struggling to be a better person, being transformed more into the image of Christ. And and then when you're seeking the right direction, you can go back to that roadmap. Right, right. So just like when you're walking Camino and maybe you realize, oh, no, I I haven't seen any yellow arrows for a while, you can walk back and find those yellow arrows or find the right path and, and push ahead along the, the road that you think might be best. I asked one of my previous guests, a young Australian called Sam Clear, who walked 15,500 kilometres across the world promoting Christian unity. And I asked him, wow. do you pray enough? Do we pray enough? Do you think we pray enough, Stacey? Well, I know personally I probably, you know, I don't pray enough. I don't pray as much as I would like to pray. I feel like prayer is very powerful, that um, prayer can can change my life. It can help change other people's lives. Um, it can help with healing, the healing process. So I would say that, no, I, I really fall short in that. And yet you mentioned earlier that you find walking is a form of prayer. That, that's, yeah. I, I would tend to agree with that, I think, in particular. The Camino, there are parts where it's almost trance-like. 
Um, and it's really a um, great opportunity, isn't it, to connect and, and to pray. Yes, I totally agree with that. I think, you know, there's something about walking, you're moving your physical body. Um, you know, as your physical body breaks down from maybe hunger or walking too much, it's really a time for our emotions to bubble up. So, um, you know, when we become tired and hungry, that's time for our emotions to bubble up. But I also believe that we're a holistic person, that we're made up of three parts. So when our physical body starts to break down, our emotions bubble up, our spiritual aspect has to change. And so there's a shift in our spirit. And I think that whether we believe it or not, we can really feel it when we're walking Camino. Yeah, the the spirit. That's right. That's perfect lead into my next question. You've written of your travels across the world, India and New Zealand, uh, Tanzania, Peru, Canada and the United States. Did you find a greater spiritual awareness among the pilgrims on the Camino, do you think? You know, I... I think I find a greater spiritual awareness kind of throughout the world. Um, on the Camino, I find that there are some people that are walking for a spiritual or religious reason, but there's plenty of people that are there that are just seeking or just searching, or maybe they're coming to have a holiday. But I think once they're on the Camino, they can really feel the spirituality of that I think maybe comes from hundreds and hundreds of years of people walking that route and praying along that route. There's just something very special about that Camino Frances. Well, that's my next question. How do you describe that? When, when you're talking to friends and family in the U.S. after you've been away again for another trip, how do you explain it? How do you put it into words? Because I find it very difficult. You know, I find it very difficult, too. And, um, you know, when I came back just last week, a friend asked me, so what was your closest to Christ experience walking the Camino Primitivo? And um, I said, you know, I really haven't processed it that well. I, It's really hard to put into words to tell someone about. And so, you know, I talk about, you know, the beauty of the landscape. It just opens your heart. And, um, you know, maybe pretty soon you're just singing a song. It might not even be a Christian song. You're just singing a song because you're joyful of what you're seeing. And then perhaps that leads you into praise of the Lord and, you know, just thanking that, wow, my feet are actually still moving. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I've still got another two and a half hours to go. (laughs) And, and, And so what do you say to them then if they are thinking of walking the Camino. Mm -hmm. And what was the question? What what do you say to people who are thinking of walking the Camino? Oh, so um, I always encourage people to walk the Camino. I um, typically will ask more questions like, why do you want to do it? And what are you thinking of doing? Where's the route? And, you know, kind of getting their take on what, what kind of Camino they want to have. Because, you know, as you know, most of us will say your Camino is your Camino and what you make of it. And so then I go from there, kind of like, okay, what are their needs? What are they looking for? Do they want to know, 
you know, how much their backpack should weigh? Do they want to know what kind of hiking boots? Or do they want to know, you know, maybe something a little bit more deeper about that inner journey? Yeah, because people walk for all different manner of reasons. And I know on my very brief visit last year, uh, where I did only half of it, uh, I was surprised by what I discovered in terms of spirituality. And certainly many of the people that I walked with were very surprised what they discovered about the spiritual nature of, of the journey. And mm-hmm. and it's now, that's one of the reasons I'm talking to you, because I when I came back, I wondered how I would maintain that engagement. You do right. it. You do it. And, and, and you live and breathe it by writing guidebooks. And yes. so let's let's talk then about La Chamille de Saint-Jacques. I hope I've said that right. Have I? <laughs> um, so the um, Don Jean Peter Port to to Lourdes. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. So the section of the way from Saint James, uh, Saint Jean to Lourdes. When did you walk it? I walked that in 2015. How busy is it? And you know, it is not busy at all. In fact, that was one of the reasons that I wanted to um, start from Lourdes, and I actually ended in Santiago. But I wanted to have more of that Camino feel from my first Camino, which was back in 2005. So less people, maybe a little bit harder to find the way, um, and not as many albergues, maybe more rustic places to stay. And I certainly got that in the week that it took me to walk from Lourdes to Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port. And how does it compare with the Camino Frances in terms of difficulty? Um, you know, I think it's there's parts of Camino Frances that I think are very difficult Um in other words, like uh, going over the Pyrenees, which a lot of people will skip, or maybe going from Villafranca up to Osobrero. I think those two stretches are very difficult. And I would say the stretch from Lourdes to Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port was not as difficult as those two parts. But in total, for seven days, you're walking up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, um, the foothills of the Pyrenees. And I walked uh, starting at the end of April into May, and it was very wet and muddy trail and it happens to have a lot of clay in the soil. So it was very slippery. And um, that was my greatest concern for my safety because there really weren't other pilgrims around if I slipped and fell, maybe broke a leg or something. I might be laying there for a couple of days before somebody would find me. Yeah, the, and I'm going to get to that. There's a little section in, in the guide that I want to talk about. I Just before we go there, though, what about things like albergues? You touched on it. And places to eat. How does it compare, say, to the busier parts of Camino Frances in terms of albergues and places to eat? Okay, so really you're walking more in the countryside. And the places where you sleep are the places where you can eat. So typically you'll have to carry your lunch. And um, so there's not as many places to stop and have a coffee or stop and have a lunch and stop and have a beer. But, um, you know, once you get to where you're going to stay, 
there are places to eat and replenish your supplies for the next day. So, okay, so that's very interesting. So you would be walking, you would expect, to, what are you walking, 30Ks a day? You, is that what you're suggesting in the book? Um, you know, I don't remember exactly, but it seems to me it's not 30, that it's not that long of distances. You know, it kind of, yeah. um, some of them are a little bit longer, some of them are a little bit shorter, but um, I don't think it's quite 30 can the longest. No, I'm thing. looking here now, 19, 21, 23, yeah. So not as yeah. not as long. What about worship? There are plenty of places holding daily masses on the Camino Francis. Is it the same in France? Can you find places to to to, to sit quietly and, and worship? You know, there were um, beautiful. There was one beautiful cathedral along the way that I was able to stop and sit, and it's open all day long, so you can go in. And I was doing my contemplative prayer there. Other places, there might be a mass or there might not. Um, so I was able to probably go into an actual mass once along that way. But one of the beautiful parts of that way is you start in Lourdes, and there's masses you know, every day throughout the day at Lourdes. And so you get this beautiful kind of sending off experience in Lords, which is really a center of healing for the Catholic Church. And did you get to see the famous procession in Lourdes? Yes. In fact, I was able to be part of it. Oh, wow. Yes. So that was a beautiful thing. The night before I left, um, I stayed at an albergue that's for Camino pilgrims, and um, they had candles for us. They actually gave me my shell. And we all went down together to be part of that processional. And it was so moving. It was such a spiritual experience for me that I almost feel like weeping now talking about it. Oh, wow. But there were people from all over the world. So different races, different creeds, people singing the same song as we processed. And it was just, you know, it was an amazing experience. I'm looking forward to that very, very much. What about language, Stacy? Plenty of Spanish will speak to you in English. What about the French? How does that compare in terms of language? Well, um, it's more of a challenge. Uh, I speak un petit peu français, um, but that doesn't mean they actually understand what I'm saying. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I would say a very minimal French and I got along just fine, but I am very patient. I use a lot of sign language. Sometimes if someone doesn't understand me, I can kind of flip to Spanish or, you know, throw out kaput, you know, German word. <laughs> but everybody knows. And so there's kind of this, you know, international language that us pilgrims speak that somehow we get the word across and, and it worked fine for me. Let's turn to the guidebook, Spiritual and Walking Guides, Lourdes de Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port. I downloaded it on my Kindle. It's an excellent resource for pilgrims, not just if you're thinking of walking from Lourdes, but also if you want a spiritual guide. And you start by providing readers with advice, things to do before you go, where to get a credential, what to pack. What's the most important item in Stacy's backpack? Oh, you know, I have to say... I'm really into my buff right now. Oh, okay. So a, 
Yeah. So a buff is, you know, for people that don't know, is the thing that you put around your neck when it's cold and you put it over your head when there's too much sun or you use it as a headband when your hair is flopping in your face. And so it's like this circular piece of fabric that stretches. And I use that for a washcloth. I use that, you know, for all the purposes I just said. Um, But I think that's kind of my favorite thing right now. There you go. I was only just explaining to my wife, who's walking with me, we hope, next year. Uh, I was just explaining to her what a buff was just uh, a couple of days ago. She's never heard of it. And we (laughs) we Googled it and she was saying, oh, I quite like the look of that. So there you go. Yeah. Do you, it makes you look kind of like a hippie, you know, you look like a, a pilgrim when you're wearing one. Yeah, well, that's the most important thing. Looks everything, right? <laughs> do, do, you, do you train regularly? Do you keep fit? Do you walk often? You know, I live in Flagstaff, Arizona, which is a great hiking community. And I hike pretty much all the year long. But when it gets to be about three months out before my... Um, pilgrimage i typically start carrying my pack carry a little bit more weight try to get a little bit more weight every time i go out and hike and so um so i do you know i do a fair bit of training before i leave do you listen to music while you walk no i don't Mm, neither do i <laughs> I, 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 I kind of feel like I would miss the bird song, and I would miss maybe the next pilgrim that I'm walking up to to say, "Hey, how's it going? Where are you from?" Yeah, I I, I, I agree with that entirely. So you you've compiled a comprehensive guide here, but how did you find your way? Well, um, so. Much of the information that I have in my book about where to stay and, you know, like a recommended leg of your trail, how much to hike in one day, I really got off of French websites. So my book happens to be the first English guide. There's information out there by um, other French pilgrim organizations. And um, one of them was so kind to let me use the maps from their website. And then I was able to glean, well, where am I going to stay? What am I going to do? How far am I going to go? So I got all that um, from the website. And then I just set out and followed the, um, the red and white markings on the trees and on the rock. So they're not yellow arrows. They're red and white markings. Yes. So not so much. Occasionally you'll see a yellow arrow. And then, of course, the closer you get to Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port, the more yellow arrows you'll see. But typically you're following the the French GR trails, which are marked with red and white. So how much preparation did you do in terms of where you'd stay? And how much did you rely on thinking on your feet? You know, I I knew where I was going to stay, but I um, in France, it's just part of the culture that you make a reservation a day in advance. And so the, the people that have the hostels or the gites, as they call them in France, or in one case, I was staying with the priest at his home, um, they really 
like to know that you're coming. And that's just part of the French etiquette. And so I would let people know a day in advance that I was coming. So if I was to, you have limited French, but I have no French. If I were to, <laughs> if I was to stay in one of the gites, uh, could I ask them to ring ahead for me for the next day? Is that feasible? Yes, they would do that for you, definitely. That's a great idea. So how does that leg from Lourdes to Saint-Jean, Peterport, compare in terms of financial costs? Because we, we sort of talk about the Camino Francis being around about 25, 30 euro a day, and that, that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's quite generous. If you, know, you can do it much cheaper than that. But if, let's say 25, 30 yeah. euros a day. How does that, that leg of, the, of, of, of La Chamier uh, de Saint-Jacques um, compare? Well, I, this year I kind of kept track of what I was spending on the Camino Primitivo in Spain. And that was, I was definitely spending 30 a day. And I would say that um, the Lourdes de Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port was the same. Okay. So it wasn't probably, you know, any more expensive than that, than most of the route on the Francaise. But because I have walked the Lequi route and I've walked Arles to Toulouse, I've walked other routes in France, typically it is more expensive. So typically, you know, typically you are spending more in France on food and on, um, on your lodging. But for this particular portion, like I said, I stayed with a priest one night. It was donativo, you know, give what money you feel you should give. I was made, I was packing my lunches for lunch. I wasn't spending as much, you know, for beers in the afternoon um, because there weren't you know, opportunities to spend the money. So I would say that it was you know, probably about 30 euro a day. And how available is water? Okay, so water, you have to be careful (laughs) because um, there are places along the route where you're not walking through town. So there's not a fountain like you would find in Spain. You know, every village typically has a fountain for the uh, pilgrims. But here there weren't, there were long distances between towns. So you really have to pack water. And I carried uh, a two liter in the U.S., they're called camelback yeah. bladders. Yeah. Other people know them as platypus or, you know, whatever. So. so that would be a good warning to carry water with you. You say in the, in the guide not to read the daily guides until the reader arrives in France. So I, so I didn't read on, okay, but... Being being a good conscientious researcher, I did sneak a peek, <laughs> and no I way. noticed that you provide reflections for each day. And day ten poses these questions: You ask, "What is the metaphorical jungle through which you tromp, half crazed and blind?" You ask, "How have you been inward, inwardly renewed day by day in the past several days?" And this. In what ways has your physical journey helped you fix your eyes on what is unseen? So you're inviting pilgrims, Stacey, to explore themselves, to learn more about themselves and to find themselves. Is is that a fair assessment? Yes, I think so. My guidebooks really aren't so much a 
a way guide, a step-by-step guide, I believe you should venture out and follow the arrows or venture out and follow the red and white stripes. But um, I really believe that um, my guides are a spiritual guide. So they're helping you along that route, something you know, like maybe on that day you're climbing a high mountain. Well, I include scriptures about climbing the mountain. Um, for the questions that I probe, I ask people to really dig down deep and you know see what what might be part of that inner journey that they're feeling as they walk the Camino. In another sneak peek, and you touched on this earlier, you talk about the fourth day, you were really struggling, worried, stressed and exhausted. You collapsed and prayed because you were walking in mud, slippery, and you asked God for help. And he said, what's the worst that could happen? (laughs) That's a very pragmatic God. (laughs) But I think we all struggle a bit on the Camino, but the same could be said of life, couldn't it? And we appeal to that pragmatic God. Oh, definitely, yes. Yes, I remember I just, I had had, it was such a bad day slipping down these slippery clay trails full of leaves that would just slide on top of the clay. And I thought for sure, oh, what would happen if I fell and I broke my leg? And finally, it must have been four o'clock in the afternoon, I collapsed and I just started crying on the trail. And then that was when, you know, I'm praying, Lord, what am I going to do? And he said, well, what's the worst that could happen? And, and I went, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I got up and I walked another hour into, uh, into the little village that was my goal for that day. And, and when you met your friends there, the, you said you were just absolutely exhausted. And, and as I say, but the same could be said of life, couldn't it? We all struggle oh. a bit. And, and when we reach out, often what we hear back is, what's the worst that could happen? Right. why do you think people walk what 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 is it about walking have you ever thought about that you know i i think that our bodies were really made to walk right we've got two legs (laughs) and it's something that a lot of people just enjoy doing and I think that walking, you know, it pumps our blood into our heart. It pumps our blood into our brains. We start thinking better. We start um, feeling better about ourselves. And I think there's there's something, um, you know, they talk about the chemicals in our brains that, you know, once we really become active, start making our brains feel good. And I, so I think there's really something about that that, um when we get to the end of our Camino, so many people go, oh, and I could have just kept walking. I yeah. didn't want to stop. Yeah. So, yeah. It's and, a cool phenomenon. It is. It is. And then you see people that you would think would normally struggle to walk 25, 30 kilometers a day, power on past you. And you think, crikey, how are they doing right. that? It, it's, it's amazing once you get in the rhythm uh, how it much really you are is. able to achieve, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, too, when you talk about that rhythm, there's a stage for me, anyway, where I get into the rhythm of walking, and now I'm not even walking. I don't even think about walking. I'm thinking about, you know, how beautiful the scenery is, or my relationship with God, or maybe 
I snapped at somebody in the albergue and I'm asking for forgiveness and how can I be, you know, do better next time? (laughs) You know, I'm thinking all these thoughts, like things um, in this particular book, I, in one of the meditations, I talk about one of the women that I was, I wasn't actually walking with her, but we would catch up together and, and be at the albergue together. And she said, Stacy, I just can't believe the things that are bubbling up in my mind. It's just, you know, it's amazing to me. So they may be repressed feelings, emotions, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's right. And it's a fantastic opportunity to invite those, some of those things up as well. And you have an opportunity yeah. to deal with them. So that's my next question. You talk in the guide about pilgrims carrying too much in their pack. And you say, generally, we as humans carry too much stuff. How can a faith-based life ease that load? You know, I think um, I think we all walk into a faith-based life. And so people can walk into a faith-based life with a lot of baggage, and I know I did. Um, and some people walk into that without so much baggage. But I think um, just being able to re- rely on God and look at Him as maybe carrying some of those burdens, like giving it to Him and um, letting letting him carry some of those things is a way to get rid of them and, and purge yourself of it. Um, so that might be, that might be one way. Yeah, that's, I, I really love that image, actually. I, I know there's an old saying, and I think it's actually a Buddhist saying, life is short, move slowly. It's a good message yeah. for pilgrims, isn't it? Oh, it definitely is. I think sometimes we get so caught up in our lives that we're just moving so fast We've got so many appointments. We're doing different things. We're uh, our life is just really going by us. And maybe sometimes we do that to ourselves because of the things that are inside. We don't want to take the time to think about what we're hurting about or what maybe we heard about 15 years ago or 20 years ago. And and so I think we, as Westerners, we kind of keep ourselves busy so we don't have to introspect. But if we do that slow life, you know, there's time, there's time to introspect. And, and Stacy, you write about forgiveness, and you say the Camino provides an opportunity for forgiveness. Can I ask you just to elaborate on that a little bit? Um, I'm. I think, you know, as we walk, there's. Like I just mentioned too, oh, maybe I snapped at somebody in the albergue, you know, and so now I'm, I need to really forgive myself for doing that. I might have an opportunity to um, see that person again and ask for their own forgiveness. But I think that the Camino just opens up a pathway for that kind of introspection where we can forgive ourselves or forgive others. It's a, there's, it's a healing path. And so a lot of times our healing process, we really need to forgive someone else or forgive ourselves. When you walk, you mentioned earlier the, the immense history of the Camino. When you walk, how conscious are you of Christ's involvement and the Christian involvement in that history? You know, I think I'm, I'm really conscious of that. Um, 
you know, sometimes I look down at the stone pavement that I'm walking on and maybe it's, you know, part of an old Roman road. And I think, you know, who has walked this before me? And, you know, there's the likes of kings and queens of Spain and St. Francis and, you know, other more modern day people that are prayer warriors and prayers. And I think, you know, not only just in the cathedrals, obviously in the cathedrals, I see that Christian tradition and I admire that Christian tradition, but it's really kind of in that walking that I'm really, um, I'm really aware of, of who's gone before me and their Christian faith. And and you can't help but be aware of the energy created as a result of that that history. Look, just a couple more questions, and you've been so kind with your time, Stacey. Do you always, or do you walk alone normally? You know, I, you know, I've walked the six different Caminos, and so the different Caminos have been different for me. Um, last year in 2016, I walked. Um, from Le Puy, France, to Santiago, and that was 1,500 kilometers. And I walked with the same people the whole time. Right. So um, that was an amazing experience, really feeling the love of my, my Camino family and having a different experience. But when I first started walking, I did walk more by myself. Of course, you always meet someone. And you talk and you have a good time. But typically I would be like, okay, now I'm going to be on my way. And so, you know, I'd have a great time talking to people, but then I would separate and walk on my way. So I guess I could say that I do it both ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and you've recently uh, spent some time as a hospitalera. T- tell us about that. How, how was that experience? Oh, that was amazing. Um Here, since 2015, I have really never volunteered to give back to the Camino, um, besides my guidebook. But I really felt last year that um, when I was walking along, I really felt led by the Lord to give back to the Camino in a service kind of aspect. So I went to um, Albergue Benedictinas in Leon which was the very first albergue I ever stayed in. I had been so blessed by the sisters and their prayers that I really felt compelled to go there and help. And it was amazing um, experience. I really enjoyed it. And how did you find being someone helping pilgrims as opposed to being a pilgrim yourself? You know, it was, I went through the training with American Pilgrims on Camino. And so I would suggest to anyone to do the training before the, before they were a hospitalero. And I was really, um, I think the main message that I got, I got many messages, um, but one of the main messages was you're there to listen. As a pilgrim, you want to tell everybody about your experience and tell them how far you've walked and tell them, you know, why you're there. But as a hospitalero, you really listen. And I really found that to be quite a blessing to um, listen to the pilgrims in their you know, excitement, but then also in their sadness. Or I was really put in positions where I could try to help people. 
and solve problems. And, you know, that's hard to do when you're a foreigner, you're a stranger in a strange land, you don't speak the language. And now here's someone that's going to help you solve that problem. It's really a sense of relief. And it was a real blessing for me. How wonderful. How wonderful. Now, a couple more questions. One here. How many guidebooks have you written? Um, I've, well, I've kind of written three guidebooks. So the first guidebook was um, Spiritual and Walking Guide, Leon to Santiago. That was the very first um, Camino that I did. And I was really writing for the person that, um, had a busy career, was trying to work through all those issues that we have when we feel chained to our job. And I kind of felt like, oh, gee, people can't really take much more than a two-week walk. And so my idea was to write these guidebooks in two-week sections. And so I did that first one. Then I did the Lourdes to Saint-Jean. And then I had the first one translated into German. And so that's three books. And now I'm working on my fourth, which would be the spiritual guide from Saint-Jean to Léon. And you're also working, as I understand it, on, on some something to do with the Primitivo as well. Yes. So um, I'm working as a volunteer for the Confraternity of St. James, revising their Camino Primitivo guidebook. Ah, and so while I was walking um, last month, I was walking and writing. So <laughs> walking and updating their guidebook, it was really a fun experience. I had a fantastic chat with Johnny Walker Santiago about a month ago. Oh, super. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, I love the work that they do. And I love the work that you do, Stacey. So look, I can't thank you enough for your time. It's been absolute pleasure talking with you. Uh, and I, 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 I look forward to reading the chapters on each day of my Camino in late August and reflecting. And I will think well, of you as well. Well, thank you. I can't wait to watch your um, journey on Facebook. It'll be fun, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> if not hard work. It will be. Thanks, Stacey. Yes. Okay, thank Bu- you. Buen Camino. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. There you are. My guest this week, the award-winning US-based travel writer, Stacey Wittig. To order Stacey's books, go to spiritualwalkingguides.com or you can order them via Amazon. You can also follow Stacey on Twitter via at Travel Writer. And Stacey's on Facebook as well, Stacey, W-I-T-T-I-G, Stacey Wittig. That's all we have time for this week. Thanks for your company. If you're a new listener and you want to subscribe, go to the podcast icon on your phone, click on search and hit My Camino, the podcast, click on subscribe. It will automatically appear on your phone each Tuesday night. One more time, because it's a great message, life is short, move slowly. I'm Dan Mullins, and until next week, buen camino. Buen camino.